3: Welcome back to Generation Skywalker. This is the new edition of Those Old Fossils. And uh, what old fossils are with me? Well, the oldest of the lot is still in Afghanistan, but he is still here with us. Welcome, Jez. Good evening, Stu. Good evening, lads. Good evening,
2: everyone. Are you keeping well, my friend? Are you still, uh, Are you still happy? Chipper? Yeah. Yeah, oh. I am. I'm. Uh, no, things are good. I'm all right. I've, it's been, I've got just over about 50 days before i can come home so i'm, I'm counting the days but i'm doing all right and um, i'm surrounded with star wars goodness so i'm okay
3: that's nice you you've been uh you've been treating yourself a little bit haven't you um, i know we don't really do the well, a few things
2: it, you're going a bit mad yeah i'm well, <laughs> well into my jigsaws <laughs> i've got myself waddingtoned up and kenner jigsawed up and uh yeah they're quite diff- quite tricky actually anyway, i know 20 pieces later, aren't they? maybe <laughs> cheers mate uh also here
3: as always is mark daniels good evening mark good evening Stu. good evening lads
5: how's everybody doing
3: we're all good mate we're all good yeah i know you've been extremely busy <laughs> apart from that are you all, are you all good <laughs> uh, yes <yeah. laughs> yeah.
5: yes i am mate yeah
3: uh we also have our bearded beauty it's craig spivey good evening craig good
5: evening
1: hello everybody
3: Oh, you've you've gone echoey. Like like so you've I? come on.
5: I've got my fancy
1: mic on. Do I need to turn it down?
3: A little bit. You've um <laughs> sound like you've come out on stage at a concert. <laughs> Good You're evening, like, yes. <laughs> that? That... And finally, making up the numbers, as we um, I think he was only ninth, ninth reserve. But uh, we've got Simone
4: here. Good evening, Si. I'm here for my looks and my charms, Stuart. You have lots of both, mate. I'm sure.
3: <laughs> How you doing, mate? I'm all good mate, all good. All good. Nice to chat to you lot, you know. Um it feels ages since we've uh, we've had a little get together, but but in, since we last spoke, it's been the 40th anniversary of The Empire Strikes Back. Did anyone watch it on the day?
5: No. Oh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I I I watched it here 2 days later with my crew. Your crew. Not your friends. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my my crew, who are also my friends. So, uh, yeah, that was great to watch on a a relatively big screen.
3: Does anyone else call their teddy bears their crew?
1: (laughs) (laughs) What a lovely mental picture.
3: (laughs) I watched um, watched Attack of the Clones in bed this morning. What I was thinking. So, 40th anniversary, boys. Did any of you see Empire in the cinema? I know this is a vintage show about toys, but, um, yeah, I just want to see if there's any early memories of the movie.
1: I, I did. Um, did you? Yeah, I did see it in the cinema. I was nine years old. I'd, I don't have any lasting memories of the event. I know it would have been Doncaster Gormont, because that's where I went to see Star Wars. So my dad would have taken me back there. I remember more feeling how the film left me, rather than any of the circumstances around it. Um, and as a nine-year-old, I did not believe Vader for one minute. I didn't trust Lando, just because he got a little bit strangled. Didn't see that change of heart as being anything genuine. And I was mortified that that Han Solo was turned to stone, like proper, proper gutted and upset. (laughs) Really good experience for you then. (laughs) (laughs) Traumatised. Don't trust anybody. (laughs) But it was my favourite era of my kind of early Star Wars life. You know, it was being nine, it was the most structured play I had with my toys. You know, I was recreating scenes rather than just throwing things around the garden. So it was a really good time. Did anyone else see it?
5: Yeah, I oh, i didn't see it at the cinema, but I did see it in the hospital in 1984. I had a very, very bad accident when I was 11 years old. And when I was on the children's ward, I was in hospital for a long time and uh, sort of over Christmas as well. And uh, each one of the children, every sort of Saturday, had a choice of a video. And my choice was uh, The Empire Strikes Back, which I think had only just come out on video then. And um, or somebody got managed to get a copy of it on video. Yeah, that was the first time I, I watched it. And I watched it and I was com- almost completely uh, in ca- uh, plaster cast from top to bottom and um, watching it for the first time. And uh, remember thinking towards the end of the film, this was my overriding memory, was thinking, how are they going to get Han Solo back? It's almost Surely it must be the end of the film soon. And when they uh, rolled the credits at the end, I was in absolute. I was in a, in a. I was in a state. Um, well, you I were. If you were in a full body cast. Yeah. Well, yeah. all oh, pretty much. Yeah. Both. Both uh, legs, arms. Um, yeah.
3: <laughs> Head. Now, knowing your. I know this has got nothing to do with what we're talking about, but knowing that you're fine now, is that what happened to your face, mate? <laughs>
5: Yeah, it was actually, mate. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 a few more besides after 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 that as well, mate. I have to say, but yeah, that was the first time I remember. It's always lodged in my head that, that memory. How old were you? I was eleven.
3: You were eleven, so you hadn't been to the cinema to see Return of the Jedi. No, right.
5: I, I no, I had seen Return of the Jedi before I saw Empire Strikes Back. So I saw Return of the Jedi in 1983. Star Wars had been on TV many, many you know, sort of several times before that. Uh, my dad, one of the only sort of memories of my dad doing anything as as we were kids, was taking me to see uh, Return of the Jedi, and uh, I'd not seen Empire Strikes Back up until the year later.
3: Wow. So yeah, you watched them all out of sync, Jez. What you? you, well, you must have been about 15. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, uh, very good cheers thanks mate i didn't get to see empire in the cinema and uh very much like mark actually that jedi is really weird back then because obviously jedi came out in 83 and empire strikes back didn't come out on video rental until after that so yeah we we all pretty much saw them out of sync and that's why stuff like the the um read-along cassettes and everything were just so important because you know you couldn't watch them um, just like that so yeah i remember dad bringing me back the rental uh, from the shop and I think I watched it about three times on the trot just couldn't wait every day when he's getting back from work if you got the rental if you got the rental and finally he got it so uh, yeah VHS sometime the, in what 1984 or early 85 think. I think it was late 84
3: there you go listeners Jez was uh, as irritating as a child as he was an adult <laughs> you got the rental you got the rental dad you got the rental you got the rental you <laughs> an absolute treasure <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. dearie me. Now, Si, you're a little bit younger. You're you're nearer my age than the rest of them. Um, that's
4: right, mate. Yes, I am. So when did you uh, first encounter ESP? Uh, I can only imagine it was when it came on at Christmas on TV. And that must have been, what, quite late, 87, 88, the time it hit the TV? I don't know. I, I again, remember how it made me feel. And I remember at-ats. that was my takeaway. And that was it. I saw Jedi at the cinema. I remember seeing Jedi. But Empire, I, I couldn't tell you, honestly, when I first saw it. I can only assume it was, as I say, when they screened it on, no doubt, ITV at Christmas or something.
3: Lads, I asked you all to identify one ESB vintage item in your collection that means the most to you. that The last piece you'd get rid of if you were having to get rid of them. So I have no idea what you're all going to come out with. Whether it's going to be an oddball item or whether it'll be a toy.
1: Craig? What is your favourite? Now you've got a big collection there. What's your favourite ESP item? My favourite thing? Well, um, me and... We're getting better at this. I've, I've compared notes with my colleagues, but we're not going to repeat the same item. So Mark's going to do what I probably would have chosen. But a good, a good reserve, a good standing for that is foam, bath and shampoo set made by the very generically named Consumer Products Limited. And I just love it as a piece. It's a, it's a really nice piece of art, piece of packaging. It's it's, it's a, as the name suggests. It's a little bottle of uh, bubble bath and a little bottle of shampoo. And the art surrounding it's in a, it's in a window box, a die cut window box. And it's got a bit of a montage of characters from Empire. But the key the key scene is is uh, is the Falcon cockpit where they're um, escaping the um, the space slug. And, and the lighting on it is really quite dramatic. You know, when the lights went down, they just got the light. They're being lit by the cockpit. And everybody looks super concerned for this fun bit of bath time joy. Uh, so it's a little <laughs> incongruous, but I love it. It's great. Everyone's represented. You've got on the back the Probot and the Tauntaun. But what's interesting about it is you've got a riff on the Macquarie art of Vader and Luke fighting the end uh, lightsaber battle. And Luke's in his, in his X-Wing gear. So it's, it's, it's quirky, you know, it's, it's just right in my wheelhouse. So I picked that as my favourite thing. Beautiful. Anyone who wants to
3: see what we're talking about, I'm sure there'll be a visual a visual episode of this coming out pretty shortly after the podcast, what, this if story? I know Craig. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, then, so something that Craig was going to cho- choose as well, and I think I know what you're going to go with.
5: Yeah, he um, he pretty much uh, beat me to it, actually. He said, are you going to choose this? Because if you choose this, I've got to choose another item. And I said, yeah, it is my favourite item. And it is the Empire Strikes Back Tree Bore Tube Bar Display Box which I acquired maybe a couple of years ago after trying to find one for many, many years. Um, And it is just a masterclass in uh, design. I absolutely love it. And bear in mind, this would have been created in the days way before Photoshop. The designer and the, the art worker, just absolute master craftsmen because... Uh, If you wouldn't have believed this had been done by Photoshop, you wouldn't have believed it at all. Uh, The photos kind of uh, melt into one another almost seamlessly. It's really, really well done. You've got everybody from Darth Vader and Boba Fett on there, Stormtrooper, Leia, Chewie, Luke and Yoda, and uh, just a real sort of array of very, very strange, unusual Empire uh, photography. It's great, and with a massive 3P... Uh, graphic on the front of the box makes it uniquely british which uh again is um, something that i absolutely love i must admit actually it's, as as far as display
3: i like a display box but i think it's one of the nicest display boxes out of every display box going it is a stunning piece
5: it, it um, really is and it's got that really cool empire logo on a slant it's uh it's great i love it yeah
1: it's a standout on any shelf isn't it i think the color helps that Espin orange and the, that glow and the, the smoke it's brilliant it yeah.
5: is
4: yeah good choices so far Simon I'm gonna let the side down and go for a production toy the Probot and Turret playset either uh, my Palatoid Probot and Turret playset I love that because it's a it's, it's it's a cool little playset the turret was fantastic and is for once in the world of Star Wars about the right scale so I love that probot perhaps a little bit big but it is a cool thing as well and this one in particular i bought it purely because it's got a toy and hobby price sticker on it which is in my head that was my nirvana as a child living in north wales there really weren't that many decent toy shops about so the nearest one was toy and hobby in chester and i have some really good early memories of going toy shopping there so i like that it's uh it's a quirky little playset. in Possible, as Mark will tell you to find in even half decent condition because the box is so big and so thin um but yeah I love it good fun
3: I mean I think that's a great choice mate I said you shouldn't uh say, oh, I've gone for a toy because they're so vital and it, it is a great great place it and of course we have been giving the um probot a lot of love I think since uh since Generation Skywalker began especially over on the modern round table um <laughs> we've all been a little bit in love with it recently but good good choice
2: uh Jez mate i've got it in my hand and it is what my about your ESP, empire strikes or... <laughs> Back. <laughs> oh, it's just I, I i set them up and you knock them out of the park <laughs> um <laughs> it's my empire strikes back black falcon pillowcase i love this because um there are so many different things however this is easy for me to travel with you know because i have to travel around with work you sent this to me the last time i was in afghanistan as a surprise gift And I loved putting it on my pillow when I was out there. And when I came back and I flew back this time, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to take my pillowcase. And what's more, I'm going to take my Jedi duvet cover as well. So, I mean, it's great. It's it's dual sided. So it's got the logo on one side. It's got Darth Vader there with his uh, yellow lightsaber. Uh, Boba Fett with uh, really, really interesting in mind that this was um this was made in 1979 so this was produced so actually yeah the the uh, stamp on it 1979 20th century fox black falcon limited came out before the film was released but yeah so uh fets on there with a weapon system which he definitely didn't have and uh, star destroyer um go through space you've got a little cannon there quite clearly a hoth scene and uh, flip it over and i've got uh three P O and R two D two, Leah and Han, Chewbacca, Luke or Tonton, and a Millennium Falcon. So two different sides depending on what mood you're in. And uh, and I love it because I could just take it with me and uh Star Wars can be omnipresent. What side do you have up if it's been a really, really long day? Oh, oh good question. What what do you have? well it's been quite a long few days, so I think I'm gonna go friendly three PO and R two. The other side's a little bit too aggressive, and I want to get in my Zen zone. <laughs> um, what, what about if um, you're feeling a bit angry? Oh, right. <laughs> well, if I'm feeling a bit angry, I will, um, I will. yeah, I'll go for Vader and Fett. And if I'm so angry, what I'll probably do is I'll probably find a fridge and put it in. Because it's always nicer, isn't it, when you put your head down on a cold pillow. And you can sometimes flip the pillow, can't you? Because it's colder when it's been on the other side. Anyone yeah. else do that, or is that just me? Um, yeah, yeah, sometimes, yeah. Um flip your pillow. Flip your flip pillow. Your pillow.
3: <laughs> uh well one last one then, jez What about if you're feeling a bit amorous? Is it just like cuddled up? <laughs> Straddled. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh dear me. We're just losing losing listeners at a regular rapid rate. Um if I'm well, you know, it's it's oh, the next question, please. You've embarrassed <laughs> me, Stuart.
3: Do you choose to? Um, what would I choose? As a good. Well, to be fair, anyone that's really ever listened to Vintage Rebellion will know what I will choose. I have always loved it, and I I love it more because yeah. Do you know when you go for a rough patch, you're really busy, and my miss, my missus had just contacted Grant and said, "Look, I want to get Stuart a present." And um, one day I came home, and the Signa teapot was sitting at home with the uh, Luke Hoff on Tom and I wanted it for ages, and uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Grant yeah. had helped to get it across from America, and um, yeah, just came home one day, and it was a. Yeah, and I love that piece. I have um, all my Sigma; it's still my favourite. So I would, I would definitely go with that. And it has got a tauntaun, which you can't go wrong, can you? Is so,
5: it, is it tauntaun or is it tauntaun?
2: Oh, there's a
3: question.
5: I it was. Well, tom-torn.
2: what does it say in the film? Because in the film they use it. They say you're tauntaun or freeze before tom-torn. you reach the first marker or whatever.
5: I had a mate that used to call it a town town. I take it
2: you? You, you kick them to the curb.
5: I, I read. Really, yeah. I did a bit of a um, American history X on him and made him bite the curb. <laughs> That's not what I
3: heard. I heard. <laughs> I heard you called him out on it and ended
2: up in a body cast. <laughs> yeah, went up to 11. I think. I might need to lend Mark my pillow. <laughs> yeah.
5: Not on the custom side
3: there, to me. I call it a ton What's everyone else? What, what do you call it, Mark?
2: A town town.
5: No. What
3: about, what about the rest I, of you?
5: I call it a torn It's a torn. But I had a mate who a, a town he actually called it a town town and this is the same mate get this he actually had the audacity to turn round to me and say that he had a vinyl cape jower but it was missing the cape <laughs> I've got one of those so well it's not a vinyl cape jower then is it yeah it is it's just missing the cape mate
1: well done, Chewbacca. Oh, yeah. Parents, we've been ordered by the
3: Rebel High Command to show you all the excitement and adventure of Star Wars action figures. Chewbacca, a new take of hearts in Here's new R2-D2 with sensorscope. 47 action figures in all, including new Atat commander and new cloud car pilot. Remember, parents, there's only
0: one Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back collection from Kenner.
3: Let's move over to topic one. We we touched last month on C and T auctions and they'd done a, a big online auction which had gone very very well and we discussed whether the prices seemed high. Well, since then Vectis have gone and have gone and done a, an auction. Uh, Mark, I'm going to come over to you first. What do you what do you think about the auction and and the prices? Where where do you think they sat?
5: Amazed, really. I, I know we sort of touched on the fact that C and T. We felt the general consensus was the C&T auctions were going to be like a, a sort of um, test to see how the market was uh, standing in the current situation with um, the lockdown and what have you. And it completely booked the trend. Yeah, prices went through the roof. Same with Vactus. Uh This was very much a, right, OK, let's knuckle down and see what happens here. Yeah, some of the prices being realised were just incredible absolutely incredible and this gets bought up every single time people sort of moan about the auction houses um, some people commenting that the auction houses were responsible for the prices that is and never will be the case it is the collectors and the dealers that are driving the market whatever situation we seem to be in it's those People that are driving the market those are the people that are dictating the prices when it comes to these auctions and I don't know if anybody's watching eBay recently specifically over the lockdown there is a real short supply of decent vintage merchandise for sale and I'm watching it daily uh, sometimes hourly um, just to see what's out there, and there is a real short supply. So when collections like this uh, come up for sale at auction houses like Vectis and C T and t you and know, Astons and all the rest of them, there is a lot of attention sort of focused on those auctions now, and that was very visible and very clear to see at the last Vectis auction. The mock prices, even some of the the more sort of random pieces were going for way beyond what they would normally fetch i would i would sort of say i won one piece and i paid through the nose for it uh, or rather one lot and i paid through the nose for it um, but it was a piece uh, an items that I, I really wanted mr sunak had very graciously uh, given me a bit of a grant over the recent situation so i had a bit of spare cash and i dare say that was true of quite a few people so interesting
3: nice anyone think different on the prices that they were what they were kind of like in line.
2: There was one thing which I thought, okay, that, that's not gone up much. You know, we, we mainly talk about the carded figures because the majority of the time there are carded figures, but there was the prototype Luke X-Wing coin, which they haven't produced many of those at all. I believe maybe there was 50 or so. Um, I could be wildly out there, but this was the original power of the force, um, pre-production it was smaller than the large uh, one which you now get on the power of the force coins uh, cards rather and um, they've been holding their price now for probably about four or five years so they they typically go typically go for 120 up to about 170 and let me just see I took a little screenshot of that one and it went for 150 150 plus fees now there are a couple of different types uh, of these coins there's a couple of different types of um of the yoda on the coin but it's a much much smaller coin but you know with, with regards to star wars prototypes you'd think that this was becoming more and more popular and everyone might think oh at least let me get some form of vintage prototype in my collection but they just don't seem to be increasing in price like carded figures do there, there were 200 of them just 200 was it right okay yeah i mean big scheme of things that's not a lot is it you know you, you see how much the proofs have gone up now i know that the proofs there were less numbers particularly you know revenge ones it shot up over the last couple of years but these have definitely been stable maybe it's just people aren't interested i, I don't know but I, I would have thought these would have gone up in line with everything else yeah because coins generally have
3: haven't they i um i turned down uh, the opportunity to buy the creatures coin with greedo on it for just a few hundred in the very early days of collecting greedo. And the last one I saw was was a couple of grand. So that coin has gone through the roof. It's um it, it's priced me right out because those coins are so thin. I, I can't can't see myself spending that on it. But yeah, the the one area which I did think on the vectors, which because I watched the auction, was some of the the incomplete ships. Now, so lot six two three zero. So it's an ATAP and a couple of Scout Walkers and then that funny Death Star fold out thing. I think it's Micro Machines. They go for about a quid. I've had one for ages. Can never shift it. So that's all that's in there. But the, even the write-up, fair to good, incomplete. Okay, you can see the chin guns are missing. I think two of the Scout Walkers, the top guns, missing. price that got was £120. That's before fees. So with a bit of shipping, you're talking about £150 for that lot. And that just seems ludicrous to me. Absolutely ludicrous. And that wasn't the only one of those loose ships. There, was, there were several lots like that when it came to those. I mean... If I just go back a page, there's another one on there. Yeah, look, an incomplete Millennium Falcon. I mean, it hasn't even got the top panel is in the box, but there's nothing inside it. An incomplete Rebel Transport and an incomplete Troop Transport. And I think there's a, a bust up land speeder in that. 130 quid. I mean, who is buying them? Because you're never seeing your money back on that if you're a dealer.
5: Absolutely not, can't it can't be dealers that are buying those because you go to any toy fair any uh collector event you will find those under the table of every other dealer that's there and you will get them for you know ten, twenty, thirty 20 30 quid no problem whatsoever so uh, yeah i just fail to understand what the um what the reason is behind the prices on those particular items
3: I didn't get it because there were several, several lots like it as well. You're not just talking one or two. There was a good seven, eight lots like that, and they all went over a hundred quid. And I was just sitting there thinking, I must be missing something because. But even the descriptions, all of them were fair to good. It, you know, even that is stating to me that that's poor condition on those as well.
2: Stu, I wonder if they're like you know, um, we went to that '80s retro restaurant in oxford's uh, atomic pizza or something like that and yeah so it was done out with all old videos and they had loads of little arcade things and all bits of nostalgia and they say for example they'd have an atat somewhere up on a shelf and everyone would be like oh awesome atat and it wouldn't matter that the chin guns were missing it wouldn't matter that the battery bay was missing you were there having a meal out and there'd be an atat and it would just add to the sort of um, cool, just retro experience of it. So maybe stuff like this is getting purchased by people who are setting up shops or setting up something and, and just want a bit of a mixture of ships and don't necessarily care if it's complete because it's the the visual effect on a, on a shelf or something or like other. I mean, because yeah, that that shop had some great things. And they weren't complete, but it was just cool from our point of view because we were in there and, and we were in a shop which which was a homage to to what we love.
5: <laughs> It could be that, although I, I always feel that if somebody is buying from Vectis or C&T or who, whoever it may be, they are seeking out specific things. They are not your casual sort of buyer. These are people that have done their homework and who know what they are buying, who, who know what they are looking for. Um, this isn't really, I mean, you can get that on eBay at any day of the week so for those lots to realize those sorts of prices i would just love to find out why those lots and let's be honest they they were junk lots they should have been 30 40 50 quid if that uh any any other normal day so yeah very very surprised
3: what about the Palatoy prices side um i mean you saw the palatoid cards that were for sale there, I think, firsthand. There were some nice pieces there, and they, they went pretty high. But let, let's just talk take Rich, for example. There was there was two R5, D4, 40, I think there were 45Bs, but I might be wrong on that. Two back-to-back. He bought the first one, and the second one went for twice the cost.
4: Yeah, I saw these in, I think it was about October, September October last year. Went up to see uh, James Stratton and um had a look through had a chat, and had a look they, for a start um the r fives were two forty five a backs, and there was nothing to choose between them. They had different defects, but they were about the same grade, so yeah, you can't really you can't really say why that was the case um why one doubled the price of the other. It just happens in auctions and and we see it quite often in fairness sometimes the first one you usually the first one is cheaper if you if you look all through so they had a load of those esb signs from the uh, frank beach shop the palatoy esb signs and they put those in three or four auctions and every single time without fail the first one through went for 30 or 40 quid less than all the other ones it, it just it happens everyone sits on their hands then they go and they go think oh wow that that was cheap i can afford one of those i'm going to have one of those and then they start bidding that could be it who knows in terms of the palatoy prices because it was almost entirely palatoy stuff or general mills I found it utterly sickening, to be honest. I really did. Uh, so much so that I started chatting to Nick Dice, uh, who you know does valuations and a lot of work for Vexes, halfway through. And I said, "Mate, when's the when's the next sale?" He said, "June." If you can get me the stuff tomorrow, I'll um I-, I can put it in for you. And I got in the car and I drove two hundred and seventy miles to Leeds uh, with a car full of mocks. I was absolutely, <laughs> I honestly, I felt sick. As you know, I've been putting together a 45B run, That's so that's the Palatoy Empire Strikes Back card without any logos on it, so no, no Palatoy logo on it or anything like that. And I've been putting that together for the last four or five years, and I've managed to get to a grand total of 16 cards in that time. They're really hard to find because they're rarely labelled correctly as Palatoy 45Bs, uh, or indeed as even as Palatoys so they're really tough to find they they do include some of the rarest cards out there where there are single examples known to exist and there were a few in this sale uh, along with gm45s general mills 45s which is the german issue which looked the same from the front just to give you an idea when i got back in collecting in 2015 the first figure i bought was a hoth stormtrooper on palatoy 45b uh, they come up quite rarely because toy tony had about 800 700 card bags so there's a lot of toy tourneys out there. There's very few real palatoy's out there. And when I got back into collecting, I bought one off Star Wars Forum UK for £290. And I, I knew I'd overpaid. And I was saying to Gary Smith, who is, as you know, the Palatoy collector, um, a couple of days before this sale, jokingly, you know, I overpaid for it back then. And to be honest with you, I'd still be overpaying if I paid 290 quid for it today. An ungraded one in that sale... Sold for one thousand three hundred pounds plus fees, and that was just the tip of the iceberg. You had other really standard forty-five bs going for six, seven hundred quid. Do you think the the Hoff Stormy
3: um, people have gone crazy on that because they've got a bit of a fallback if it turned out to be a Tony? That
4: if they had no. doubts over it, I bought it from an auction house. None whatsoever. You've got you've got pretty much no comeback with auction houses. You drill down into, and this isn't a uh, this. I'm not having to go to vectors here. Vectors are absolutely brilliant at at having stuff back i know i've had stuff damaged in the post and they've been good as gold over it but let's talk about that harbert jower for a moment um that was in theory you know someone said it was a marriage and they disputed that i don't think that ever got returned did it so when it comes to subjective things like that you are you are not going to get a return from an auction house so there is no comeback on that yeah the whole story of Palatoy shop find etc but there were still people on the internet uh, saying oh yeah there's some toy Tonys in there there's some toy Tonys in there usually bless them the americans and identifying all the non-toy tony cards but th- the point is there's no comeback the story yeah possibly helped a little bit did it help by a thousand pounds no of course not absolutely not and and what's happened is you've got a couple of guys who have got access to an awful lot of funds have now started moving into the palatoy 45b area So they've done up, you know, up to the 45 A's. They've hit a wall. They're now moving on to 45 B's, and all of a sudden the prices go absolutely crazy. So I thought I can't collect those anymore. I I can't collect anything. Looking at the prices, we were talking yellow bubbled Weequay on a Palatoy 65 back. You don't need to be an expert on mocks to know that's a 50 quid card maximum at any Echo at any bloody toy fair you go to you will find a yellow bubbled Palatoy 65 back weekway and it will cost you 50 maybe 60 quid 200 pound plus fees Uh, what was it squid heads 65 back 170 pounds plus fees that's another 45 50 quid card there the the prices were insane absolutely and that's not vex's fault that's that's people who press bid so yeah uh, the upshot of it was um, I ended up bringing all the Tri-Logos home because Nick managed to do a, uh, a deal with someone, uh, one of his clients. And he bought all my 45Bs off me. And, uh, yeah, so I'm just I'm, I'm sitting pretty, but I'm not spending money on mocks because the prices at the moment are bonkers. What's, what was really interesting about the sale, other than the stupid prices, is we are only seeing these prices achieved at auction in auction houses they're not being achieved on on facebook they're not being achieved on ebay it appears to be a a really bizarre phenomenon that and maybe it's the whole live auction thing it's right there it's right now this thing gets 30 seconds of airtime, and then it's gone again if you've got seven days to think about it on ebay you can hum you can hire you can end up missing it but if you're there sat at the auction pressing the button bored meant to be at work who knows what what the reasoning is but these prices are not being replicated across online they are they are at the auction houses we've seen at C and we've seen it at vectus
1: and anyone else got anything on vectus not on vectus i I didn't follow it that closely on the day although I have read sort of some of the commentary afterwards which is always fascinating but there was um there was a Eubanks auction of uh movie posters last week as well and it just happened to pop up while I was working on the computer so I was I was following that um because they had got a few Star Wars posters in there they had a Chanterelle uh, Chanterelle uh, Chantere Quad uh without the Oscars uh, that was down as an estimate between eight and uh, twelve hundred quid went for one thousand three hundred, just a little bit over the estimate. Some damage on it, yeah, very presentable. Uh, but then there was one without the, w- sorry, with the Oscars, which obviously goes for less. That was only down as an estimate between three and five hundred. That went for nine fifty, so quite a bit more. But bit I was, uh, the one I was after, just as a cheeky little uh, bid, was they had a Star Crash poster, which again was by Tom Chantrell. Um, and that, I was only down as an estimate between 30 and 40 quid and for a little kind of kitschy Star Wars wannabe quad I was quite up for that, went for 120 and there was a lot of that throughout the uh, the auction really, these little minor films that were no big cultural stakes but they were nice posters uh, and people were, were spending on those. They were a lot of that kind of pitched at that, that kind of figure, 30, 40 quid, they were all going over 100, which I thought was quite interesting. It was a really ratty uh, Revenge of the Jedi Advance one sheet from the States. Again, it was down for like four to 600 quid, which is probably due to the, um, the condition of it. But that went for 1,800. So interesting, interesting to watch this stuff and just monitor it through the, through the system, I think.
3: Yeah, prices still sky high there as well then. Mm-hmm.
4: Did you see the Revenge stickers go through the day before, Craig? I didn't know. Did that go? was interesting. That was from, um, I can't remember what she was, Wendy someone or other somehow involved with the production two sheets and the estimate was 80 to 120 and that it was on the back of something else uh, uh i can't remember what the actual item for sale was cataloged as but it said also uncut sheet of revenge stickers and it was the yoda head revenge of the jedi the estimate was 80 to 120 i think they went for 850
1: i found them quite badly listed some of them because they were they were big lots but there was only like one or two photographs there's a lot of stuff you're not seeing there were big lots of posters going through
3: yeah, some interesting points made, and uh, be interested to see the next um, the next auction. Echo
0: base, I've got something. Not much, but it could be a life form. Commander Skywalker, do you copy? This is Rogue Two. This is Rogue Two. Captain Solo, do you copy? <laughs> Commander Skywalker, do you copy? This is Rogue Two. Good morning. Nice see you guys to drop by. Echo Base, this is Rogue Two. I've found them. Repeat, I've found them.
3: Right, so moving on to topic two and something else that's um, kind of taken off over since we last recorded and that is the uh, the new deal or no deal Facebook group. I think it's I think the admin on it are the people that used to run the raffle site. I know which was which was very divisive about whether people were, um, agreed with that, but but the deal or no deal group is a bit different and we have seen some amazing items items on there. So, uh, let's get one of you to describe what deal or no deal is. Uh, si, i come over to you. Can you explain the deal or no deal setup?
4: Very simple concept. Uh, you list an item and you say deal or no deal list your terms so shipping fees etc and away you go and you just wait for offers basically uh it's considered good practice to decline offers that you don't want rather than just let people just keep on sort of bumping up offers but that essentially is it you don't have to sell and you choose the offer and there's no close on it you just decide when to when to stop yeah so interesting so but
3: Let's be clear on it. It has caused some controversy and some people are slamming it, saying it is just a way for the seller to make more money, earn more than what they're actually worth. So I just wanted to, first of all, just get our opinions on it and on what on what we think, whether it's a good idea or a bad idea. What I will say with that group is there has been no end of pre-production um, items, prototype items, even production pieces, which you wouldn't see come onto a market. Wouldn't You wouldn't have the opportunity. The kind of pieces that are often just just sold between it's who you know kind of situation where there has been the opportunity to buy some of these more obscure pieces uh, for people who do have the funds to be able to do that. So what is people's thoughts on the format? Craig, what What are your thoughts on that on the format as a?
1: Oh, well, I'm a bit, I'm a bit late to the party. I only joined because you uh, you know do the show notes. So I've been on it for about three hours, but I haven't a flick through and um, I agree. Yeah. There's some stuff on that. I've never seen. So as a, as a sort of little online museum, pop culture memorabilia it's i got very lost in it very quickly uh, and i could see it being quite uh quite a draw away from other facebook groups just by the sheer virtue of what's on there i've not used it obviously i think it's uh it's a very it's a very public way of dealing with something i don't think i was it obviously depends on what items came up and if it's something i was you know desperate for a handful of grail pieces i'd be probably in there like a shot, but it's probably one of the things I would watch from a distance and observe for a while before I kind of joined in. I think I'd be quite reluctant to be one of the first people to go, I'll give you this for fear of, you know, my peers looking over my shoulder going, well, he's overpaying for that, or on the flip side, how rude of him to put in such a low ball offer. So I don't know. I think I'd need to get my head around it before I kind of joined in. Yeah,
3: to be honest, I've bought bought a couple of uh, smaller bits off it um, in the last week. (laughs) <laughs> How did that work for you? Well, the problem is, uh, the problem I find is when you don't really know what something's worth, you can't. Someone was going, oh, uh, so j- let's just make this clear before we carry on. So, Jabba's Court have also introduced the selling term, uh, the selling format since this group started, as has the IC. And the IC even went and started up a uh, modern page for the same sort of sales So, it's spread quite quickly. But someone on one of the there's there's been some discussions on it but someone's like oh people need to do their research before they put a, put an offer in well a lot of that stuff you can't go and research you can't go and do an ebay search because it's not on there so it's knowing what something's worth so i suppose you have to kind of i kind of sat back and waited for someone else to make an offer but there's always some some chap that will put a five dollar a in straight away and you're like sitting there thinking well that's not right yeah, so in the end, I, I just kind of like looked at it and thought, well, what am I willing to pay for it? What, what would I think is a, a fair price? So, And if I'm way off, you're way off. But um, yeah, I've had, I think, two things accepted. And one is on its way to Cass, and the other one is on its way to me at home. So we will see. I think Si think bought bought something via this as well. But I think he was off Jabba's Court rather than this page,
4: didn't you, say? No, it was off the deal or no deal. Page. it was a oh, it was lovely blue snaggle tooth I already had one but this really was a really nice looking one with um, it, it looked virtually flawless that's now arrived with mr. Sanderson but how do you find it Sai, as a, as a selling format what do you think about it I, I have no issue with it people moaning about it gets the seller the most money well that's that's the job um, of the seller to get as much money as possible for their item um we're, we're not charities are we we're collectors that money goes back into collecting or if you're unfortunate enough to have to sell up your collection for other purposes then you obviously need the money for something else so i've zero issue with it working quite well on Jabbers. i'm not on the ic um yeah no issues with it and what about you mark as a trader what were your thoughts on it
5: it's an auction under any other name really isn't it that's essentially what it is you know you up and up and up and up price until seller is happy with the price that you've mentioned um it's it's just another form of auction i have no issue with it whatsoever you know a lot of people are saying oh well you should know how much you want for something you know before you sell it well that's okay with stuff that's run of the mill where prices are relatively easy to to gain uh, valuations are easy to gain but with stuff that's appearing on that group in particular there's just how, how do you value uh, a prototype for, let's say, one of the things that I saw crop up, which I absolutely loved and very nearly pulled the trigger myself, was um, some prototype uh, sculpts for the 1995 Judge film. you know, the Stallone version. Yeah. And they had some sculpts for the figures for the line that was never made. And I just thought, what a cool thing. And they were going for really quite reasonable money, I thought, somewhere around the sort of Hundred and fifty, dollars $200 mark, and the Dread characters were going for... I think they ended up going for about $500, I think. Which, when you think about it, if that was Star Wars, you'd be talking tens of thousands. And uh, these were getting snapped up for, I thought, pretty decent, reasonable money. It's a nice way of getting into a particular area of toy collecting, which a lot of people are priced out of. I, I You know... Ha- if it works it works and so far i have to say that it does seem to be doing pretty well um, and the group does seem to be quite popular so we're uh, yeah you know more, more power them. i reckon there's there's two you,
3: you're talking about um someone mentioned auctions I, I that is the one thing i didn't quite understand on there so some people put something up And then they'll put a comment underneath before people start putting their offers. I'll let this run. So it could be like Friday night. I'll let this run till Sunday afternoon. Well, that to me is an auction. He may as well just put a starting price on that and let the auction run like you do already have on so many of those sites. Because you're just leaving it for two days for people to keep bidding it up rather than someone making an offer and you saying yes or no. I didn't understand the idea of that. You know, they may as well just go to the normal format.
5: For for me, that would instantly put me off uh, putting a... uh... I bid it because, well, you know, what? what's the point of that? You know, I'm here to buy. You're here to sell. If I mention a price to you that you are happy with, then you need to tell me as soon as yeah. possible. You know, I'll get back to you on Monday. Well, no, sorry, that's not good enough, really. As far as I'm concerned, it, it should be, you know, deal or no deal. Are you happy with the price or are you? You know, this, this idea of letting it run on indefinitely or, you know, for, for two or three days, just... My
3: no, no, no I've, I've, I've seen it a few times pop up like that. And I did just think to myself, well, that's not the idea of this. Uh, Jez, have, have you had a little nose at this while you've been away?
2: I'm waiting for my... Uh, <laughs> I'm waiting to get accepted. I'm sure it won't take long. What I did see when I was looking at the group was... Uh, let's have a little look, see if I've been accepted back yet. Oh, I need to answer a question. Um, uh, it's, it's not necessarily a new one. I think you said it might have been a new group. Because when I was looking earlier on, it said this group was created on 16th of January 2018. And it last changed its name to the current name on the 3rd of December 2018. So it was once called Epic Toy Battles and more. And so it changed its name to Deal or No Deal by it now on 3rd of December 2018. So it's not necessarily a new thing, but it's massively popular 93 posts today so 93 different things getting sold today the the membership is going up a lot so yeah just under two what well, 1868 163 of which in the last week so it it does seem to have had a massive sort of surge even though it's been around for a little while okay so it's been around a long while i think if you um if you went back through the posts
3: you'll, you'll find that it's only been real heavily active the last three or four weeks yeah yeah. It's become a, a very, very popular place, and don't get me wrong. There's, there's some big, older, uh, big old collectors in there throwing up some nice pieces. And I think Chris G on his own has been throwing up some fantastic micro collection prototype stuff or unproduced stuff. Well worth having a look at, and it's not. It doesn't all go really expensive, you know. I've seen things selling for thirty, forty dollars on there. So um, yeah, just have a have a bid. You know, if you're way out, they'll just say no, won't they? Enjoy it. Cool. There was actually a um a cut, a cut card with a, a yellow sticker. The special ta- yellow tapes oh, really? uh, sticker. Yeah. Actually sold by Chris G uh, of all of it, but uh, still had the coin attached to the top of the card, but it had come off that offer. Um, someone had obviously cut the figure off of the card, but he was still selling the top of the card with the thing. But I think actually that, in hindsight, I think that went, there you go, $90. So whatever that is, 75, 80 quid.
1: Yeah, we, we attempted as a souvenir of our best piece of investigative journalism so oh, far.
3: Not Not getting into that. Every time we talk about something, buy something. <laughs> <laughs> i can turn around and already see that happening behind me <laughs> yeah interesting group I, I would say go and check it out no this deal is getting worse all the time topic three topic three and four it's esb's 40th anniversary so we thought we'd uh just have a little little discussion about a couple of things now this was a craig suggestion about the the fet appeal so craig can you kind of uh word it
1: yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, we mentioned it on the, the last modern round table, I think, just talking about Slave One and that everything that's the sort of touched with Fett has this little bit of magic that comes with it. And it was just sort of musing over why that is. Um, what, what magical ingredients did they just get right with that character um, from the get go, really, from the way he was teased to, to fans, the way the toy came out in advance of everything else. And I think it was a bit of a. A perfect storm, really. I think all these elements came together to create this sort of cult character. You, you older boys. Was he so popular back in the
3: um, back in your teens in the eighties?
1: I, I, I think it's it's really interesting because you're talking about two very different eras. So this is a character that was introduced to us with the broadest of brushstrokes. You know, he was in that lineup. He was a bit chopsy with Vader. You know, he stood up to him. That you know, he was singled out. No disintegrations. Wow. You know. What, what badassery has he got up to in his time that, you know, made us take giving him a bit of a dressing down? Whereas, whereas now it's like everybody wants to know everything. Everybody wants to see it on screen. Who's Snoke, where's he from? Why has he got a smashed up face? Whereas back then it, you, you just accepted that this was a character with a backstory and we were kids and we could fill in the gaps a little bit. You never saw his face. You could, you could project a little of what you thought that character was onto him and maybe that think initially certainly from the film perspective was part of the appeal for a lot of people
5: he's definitely a victim of his own success i think and it goes back to what you just said craig that um you know really really cool character man with no name sort of persona with um a really cool set of armor and really cool helmet really mint looking weird looking spaceship stood out you know, had very, very little screen time in Empire Strikes Back, you know, didn't really play a major part uh, in terms of his dialogue, but he just absolutely stood out by the fact that he didn't say a lot, and he did look so cool. And it's that thing, isn't it, that, you know, the thing that's in your imagination where you dream up this kind of character's backstory and where's he from and, What's what? What does he look like underneath his helmet and, and stuff like that? That's always cooler, far cooler in your head than anything that they can put on screen. It's like um, the 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 shark in Jaws, you know, the the fin is far more frightening than the actual shark bit at the end of the film. It's like the alien in uh, Alien. The, the thought of it being there in the shadows far more terrifying than uh, what they can put on screen in my mind. So, uh, yeah, and, and what's happened is over time is people have investigated the character, researched it, watched this, what's that, and they've kind of scratched away a lot of the mystery surrounding him. I always think that kind of dissipates a lot of the magic. So
3: you didn't like what they did with
5: him in Attack of the Clones then, not? I really didn't, no, 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 I didn't and it's a bit like what they did with Vader in the prequels, you don't need to explain how Vader became Vader you don't need to explain how the force works you know, this is another conversation for another time, but it's this kind of, it's very much like, as Craig has said you know, with regards to the new films everybody wants to know everything what smote this, you know and what I love about the whole Snoke thing was it was all kind of played away in the end. It, it didn't form really any major part of the, of the film in the end anyway. So people were led up alleyways and garden paths and all the rest of it, only to be led down a, a totally different path. So I always think it's it's sometimes better and cooler not to know something.
4: I remember Fett as I th- just think he's probably super popular because he has got that air of mystery that others have said. He did give Vader some lip. And also, he's the only sort of, he's the only armoured character, human armoured character, that isn't a Stormtrooper dressed all in white. Do you know what I mean? In in Star Wars and and Empire. He had some colour about him. He had a little bit, he he had cool accessories all over him. He had rope flying out of his wrists and a rocket pack and a jet pack and blasters and everything so he, he he had it all going didn't he he was like the clint Eastwood of of star wars and and that just makes him instantly cool
1: i think i think the toy had a lot to do with it as well um you know we're talking about the on-screen character but i think the fact that you know that that toy came out in advance he was only one of the two large size action figures, the only one in this country so we had him in our hands and he was you know he was he, he was that swiss army knife character wasn't he particularly the big one and he was a one-man r- mini rig because he could fly and
3: that was Ace. I think as an action figure, it was was really, really cool. I was a young lad. I was, wasn't born during Star Wars, and I was one when Empire came out. And my brother had all the figures. He was eight years older than me. So I was handed down all of the Star Wars figures and the majority of the Empire figures. And I hadn't seen the films when I was really young. But there was something about that figure. It would always be central to any kind of game. There was a real coolness when you look through the figures that and the cantina aliens for me were just central to everything so there is something about that figure
2: i was listening to you guys craig finally nailed it i was saying why hasn't anyone mentioned it it's because he can fly that i think from my point of view as a kid he, he wasn't the bill and Andor. for me it was still about you know luke and han and, and the heroes but i think with the whole Boba Fett thing is. You didn't need the blaster, you didn't need any of these other bits which a hero or a villain must have to get themselves out of danger. Boba Fett could always fly, and therefore we could always use our imagination. Uh, and that's probably the thing he has over every other character. He could just get out of Dodge if it, if it all went Pete Tong, you know? And, uh, yeah. But for me, I, I can't remember the craziness about it as a kid.
1: It's a shame he just goes out like a sucker, in the words of Sam Jackson. I think if you watched, watched, watched Jedi first and watched him fall into the Sarlacc pit, it might feel differently.
3: I think you could also be right with it being teased. You, you know, Star Wars was a massive hit and you'd you'd have these 20, 20 figures come out. But what year did that offer come out? I take it it's about 79, was it? I think
4: so,
3: yeah. Mm. Well, there's a sequel coming. And you've already got this really cool figure which you know nothing about. Literally nothing unless you'd watched, especially in this country, unless you'd watched the, um, the holiday special. You've suddenly got a figure that you you know nothing about when you're creating your games. So he could have been anything. He is awesome. Let's be honest about it. He is awesome. Who's not a fit lover here? Someone's gonna try to sing. I bet it's sigh.
1: He's, <laughs> not, he's not a focus character, right? But I, I've always I've always liked him as a as a piece of design. You know, he's he, he's great. And, and, and helmeted rocket men are a classic sci-fi trope, and have that type of character. Wandering around that kind of Art Deco scenery of Bespin, it's just it's absolute classic retro sci-fi for me. I love it.
3: I always think when they were doing the pickups for the special editions, um, he lost a bit of coolness with that uh, that that still photo that was around everywhere with the the bloke with the big tash with his helmet off chatting to the dancers. <laughs> Whenever I've seen that photo, I'm always like, eh, maybe not so cool. Yeah.
5: Also, but. when it changed the um, the voice. The special editions, and they changed some of the lines that he, he said. They, they, they ruined it. The, the The first voice that he had was just fantastic, absolutely spot on. And then they changed him to give him that um, sort of New Zealand sort of accent. It wasn't quite the same. Nothing against people from New Zealand, but it just it wasn't quite as cool.
1: I, don't, I some of those odd interviews with Jeremy Bullock do amuse me, where he's describing how inside the helmet he was like a cat. Just scanning the room. It's like, yeah, he just kind of stood there. But, you know, it worked.
3: We will have a bit of fit, Although none of us are going to focus
1: on him. It's an expensive hobby,
2: that, isn't
3: it? It is an expensive hobby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not rock stars, mate. <laughs> we were saying that, even with the modern stuff, you know, he sells out instantly. You just like, people He's just got to, to have, have him. Strange, it never seems to have eased off. It's been a consistent love for many 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 years
0: you are free to use any methods necessary but i want them alive no disintegrations as you wish so moving on to
3: topic four but staying on the empire strikes back now dioramas have always been something that i would love to have a go at and do it and especially from um from empire strikes back now although this this chap used uh modern figures Uh, Chris Darbyshire over on Echo Base, Modern UK, has made a Hoth coffee table. So he's got to, well, actually, let's go over to Jez to describe the actual table.
2: Yes, mate. So what we've got here is a uh, lovely coffee table, which has got a a, mm, best way to describe this. Not only do you have the pleasure of looking down on a lovely Hoth diorama from above, but you can also do it from the side, very much like... Say so if you're in a reptile house in a zoo. Oh, so what he's done is he's enhanced the obviously white scene of Hoth with some lighting as well around it. So, I mean, just to give people idea, just to, just to get some LEDs around the inside doesn't actually cost a lot, but the, the impact, the difference is massively significant. What have we got? Let's start off on the left-hand side. It's such a simple idea, sort of which I wish I could have myself, but um, I'm just not that creative. This is the sort of thing Craig would probably come up with. or Mark. What he's got on the left-hand side is a scene of Luke in that in that scene with the Hothwamper where he sort of wakes. He, he stirs from his unconscious state to find that he's uh, suspended upside down, stuck by his feet, and a Hothwomper is just walking towards him. And, oh, look at that. Look at that from the attention to detail. If I pinch and zoom in, I can actually see... <laughs> He's got a little lightsaber lightsaber stuck into the uh snow. And what's the snow and ice made of? It's actually made of, and this could be vintage itself. Old I would say it's the sort of TV packaging, it's like white, uh white polystyrene. it, it is just thrown in there, sort of, you know, very much like boulders and rocks. So he's got a loop upside down and a hoth wamper sort of very menacingly going towards him. So, yeah, that was wonderful, and people can instantly tell what that is. You then move over to the right-hand side, and you've got a, uh, I would say, a crashed snowspeeder, because it's a snowspeeder which is very much dug into the snow. Two uh, X-Wing pilots, or snow speeder pilots, just to the right of it, and uh, looks there like a, a Han in Hoth costume. And you can also make out a couple of Imperial Stormtroopers as well. So two very different scenes from the Empire Strikes Back. Both really focus in. Uh, it's a homage to uh, to the hoth, but it looks great. It's just yeah, it's just such a conversation starter. I wouldn't want to put my coffee on it though. I'd be worried that I'll have a spillage. But yeah, really, really great, great idea, great use of um, polystyrene or whatever it was. Oh, and you can get a really cold effect with the with the lighting and that's a great thing with these leds you know if you change the lighting and just put it onto blue really is a cold effect which um really really emphasizes the whole hoth planet so uh yeah loving that one yeah yeah absolutely stunning
3: and like i said at the start it's it's modern figures but this could have easily been um easily been vintage you know a vintage one and a vintage, vintage luke half and bloody bloody blah but Brilliant, brilliant effort. Now, I asked if any of you had seen any other ESB type dioramas around. So, throw this out there because I don't know who's found what. Hey, so, me,
1: me, me Craig, Craig, you can go. Yeah, this this is one of the best things I've seen for a long time, uh, and it's something that um, Shane Ross shared on the um, on the ICC, and it's it just fulfills a beautiful dual purpose of storage not storage but display space but in the form of a diorama and it's a it's a best bin platform so if you imagine a sort of flattened dumbbell shape drip in the middle two circles either end upended and, and supported on two big brackets and you've got millennium falcon there on one side slave one part on the other side and and decked out and, and and propped with the the figures from those scenes it's just beautifully done it's very neat it's not over fussy it's on a nice gray wall super classy and it's but it's lit along the edges very subtly just the little landing lights on there could so easily have overdone it but it's just spot on for me i love it i think it's great i agree i th- i think not having
3: any other collectibles around it it is just that isn't it it's what really sets it apart it's i don't know i don't know what else he collects but it is it looks incredible on that blank wall
1: yeah top top marks for 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 using some um discretion with what what he's put with it
3: great great shot we will share these images on our social media anyone else find anyone anything
4: yeah just on pinterest pinterest i'm not surprised you're a pinner I'm not. I just every all the cool images seem to be there, and it's just a nightmare to view them properly. Uh, so I'm not joined or anything. But this is it's hard to gauge the scale. I'm going to guess it's about I don't know two maybe three feet across. It could easily be way 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 bigger and just tricky perspective, but it does look like it's on top of the table. It's a giant glass or acrylic case, and there is a, a Hoth scene, Hoth battle scene, which is the the moment in Empire Strikes Back for me with three beautifully weathered and and illuminated attacks uh, approaching the rebel trenches with the iron cannons and the turrets and all the rest of it and it's just the detail even from from sort of quite a wide angle picture is just stunning it gives you a real sense you, you know you could be flying over the scene you could be a could be a snow speeder approaching this or you could almost be the 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 models and the set that they used in the the actual filming itself it's just it's beautiful it's incredible and yeah yeah i love it love it there's there's so many about so many talented people about and i the mind just boggles how you you'd approach something like this
1: it's lovely isn't it i think i think it owes a nod to the to the airfix Snapfix scheme scene it's got um it's got that kind of configuration—the three attacks approaching the trenches—but it's a super, super upscaled, uh, high-spec version of it.
3: Great, great, fine that.
1: Just, just to pick up on something Jez said earlier about TV packaging, the '80s, and, and sort of, so my Empire Strikes Back kind of height playing with those toys kind of chimed or timed with the '80s when the spivvy household saw some major upgrading to the to the kitchen, and we did seem to have this sort of slew of you know, microwaves and front-loading washing machines, and I remember you know, taking taking those big lumps of polystyrene and they were like frames and the falcon would sit right in the middle and you would have an instant echo bass. Um, and I had those sort of on my carpet for months and months as a permanent little setup. So, you know, proto-dioramas back when, when we were kids, that stuff was happening. And Hoth was Hoth was easy to do because it was white and regular. And I did have a crack at making a couple um, out of chicken wire and paper mache and quite a forgiving kind of medium when you're making... Snow structures, so no excuses really for us all to have a crack.
3: Have you got? Have you got photos of that? Do you know,
1: I'd love, I'd love to have photos. I did too. I did one that was a sort of, I guess, a rough approximation of like sort of the entrance to Echo Base. So it had, um, it had sort of an entranceway, and the had a turret that was made out of a dairy time Star Wars yogurt that I scraped the print off with of a Brillo pad. And it was important to me that it was a star wars yogurt pot even though it took any evidence of that away speaks volumes doesn't it and then i punched it in hole and put the int4 gun in the top so it didn't rotate but it wiggled it around and then and then i think you know in true uze style i i can add an old calculator that i smashed up and put little panels on the inside and sort of sit it in the wire with the chicken wire yeah there was sadly no photos it's gonna be a big gap in the uh, enhanced version them I mean, into scouts at show and tell, you know, tonight like, and people, oh, this is cool. I
3: will also give a shout out to Jason Langendorfer, who um, actually created the Imperial Attack Base photography off, off the box art, which he set up as a diorama and made all the snow and everything for it, uh, for a Kim Simmons competition recently, and he won. Yeah, I know, I know he loves setting his figures up, and uh, I'm sure he's got plenty of, images because he's got photos of his little diorama setups when he was a child as well so if i could find any of them of him i'll put them on the visual here but with so many creative minds here i did say to you what could you come up with for an esb diorama and let's go to who i think is the most creative
2: and that's jez (laughs) (laughs) ah dude i i i thought i had nailed this but um I didn't quite read the show notes properly because I've got a lovely Return of the Jedi diorama. <laughs> <laughs> mm, damn it.
3: Return of the Jedi? Yeah,
2: yeah. See, you yeah, can three
3: thing, years for the anniversary, mate. Yeah, all
2: right. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, no, I was supposed to tell you all. Well, Ewok Glider is, it's is, a, is a, uh, it's a little mini-rig type thing which is easily overlooked and because people struggle to display it. Where, you know, I've loved displaying the Ewok glider from the ceiling or from the top top of a the 12th cabinet. So I think if you consider, if you think about it, the Endor, you know, took so much time in Jedi. And you, you can have speeder bikes, you can have Scout Walkers, you can have Ewok glider, you can have the Catapult, you can have the Endor Forest Ranger. You can have all these different things and then... You know, not only the Ewoks, but the Stormtroopers as well. You you can have the Rebel Commandos. It's, it's brilliant. You can do so much from an Endor theme, but you have to. You have to get the Ewok glider in there just to mix it up and give it that aviation elevation.
3: It's a great idea, Jez. It's a great idea. Not ESB. But wrong, movie. Do you know what? I could, I could probably go to Simon now and get the same sort of answer as I. Being the second most creative.
4: Uh, I'm slightly <laughs> disappointed with the second most creative epithet, to be honest with you. Slightly disappointed, but let's not dwell on that. I'd like to see a really good bar one. Complete with proper water. Stinky swamp <laughs> water. Maybe even some baby newts in there. Just to really bring it alive. Literally. And I'd want a sort of pneumatic X-wing that could rise and lower out the swamp. Yeah, that would be cool.
3: Okay, so we've got an Endor 1 coming and we've got a Dagobah project. Mark and Craig then, not so creative, but let's see what your little minds came up with.
5: (laughs) I would have liked, loved to do an echo base interior done like, you know, you do those worm farms where you see it from the... um, from the top to the bottom and you can see all the tunnels and all the interconnecting rooms and stuff do something like that sort of etched into some polystyrene so all the sort of command center and the medical bay and all that is joined up and on different floors I think that would be quite cool there was
1: a there was a fabulous one in uh I think it was Essen was it Essen they did that but has, the Hasbro stand, you could sort of get, you know, crouch down and look through, and it was just, I think I've got some photos. An amazing idea, Mark, yeah. So uh, look forward to that one. So, uh, Craig? We're, we're vintage, aren't we? Because I, yes. I think out of, out of every figure I ever produced, the, the the Vader and Luke gantry fight figures are just incredible for a dire ring. But vintage, I would say I'd like to see, like, the little North's junk room just propped with bits of vintage broken stuff that you're never going to find a home for a little ig8 ig88 propped up in there i think it could be very absorbing you could you could really sort of sink into that a lot of detail that's some great suggestions here so i'm going to throw this out to the listeners okay we'll
3: have a little poll on this and we'll let you vote for which one you want to see made and whoever whichever one you want to see made the person who come up with the idea will will make it to celebrate ESB's fortieth anniversary this year. So you could go with the Ugnot room with Craig, you could go with Echo Bass with Mark, you can go with um Cy Dagabar, and of course to celebrate ESB's fortieth, you could also go with Endor. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey
5: God, I, I, I just, what about I mean. your suggestions to you? You're not you're not getting out of this that yeah. like <laughs>
3: I would like some sort of um, asteroid with the the space slug coming out with a falcon hanging somehow. It would obviously have to be the die-cast falcon.
5: Best idea. I think that's the best idea, Stu. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we'll get voting. I, I would love to see an Endor playset signed for, uh,
2: for ESP. <laughs> well, I would love it. This would be brilliant if we could just employ all of our listeners to, uh, to vote for the Dagobah scene because assignment to have stinking water in his house with a newt i think he said a newt um that would be amazing
4: i said baby newts jez try listening you can't read clearly because it's going to be esb now you can't even listen
3: there is there's some great out there if anyone has made esb um dioramas please 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 share them with us and we can um follow up on this
0: what is thy bidding my master there is a great disturbance in the force I have felt it. We have a new enemy, the young rebel who destroyed the Death Star. I have no doubt this boy is the offspring of Anakin Skywalker. How is that possible? Search your feelings, Lord Vader. You will know it to be true. He could destroy us. He's just a boy. Obi-Wan can no longer help him. The Force is strong with him. The son of Skywalker must not become a Jedi. If he could be turned, he would become a powerful ally. Yes, he would be a great asset. Can it be done? He will join us or die, master.
3: So topic five. I'm always up by quarter past five each morning and I woke up the other morning to I think Craig had uh, been up even earlier writing a blog post. I don't know when the bloke sleeps or if he sleeps. Yeah, I think he's got a lot going on in his mind because the blog post was quite a. Uh, it was a fun blog post, actually. So, so, Craig, I'm going to let you explain it. It is over on GenerationSkywalker.com. so please go and check out the blog post. Craig.
1: OK, so the post went a bit like this. It was called Nothing Odd About These Balls. I may be completely on my own with this one, but does anyone else cringe when they see or hear the word oddball? The Cambridge English Dictionary describes it thus. Oddball. Noun. Informal. A person whose behaviour is unusual and strange. Synonyms. Eccentric. Flake. Weirdo. Person. Mainly US. Sometimes offensive. Informal disapproving. Though it seems to me that the vintage Star Wars collecting community defines it as this. Oddball. Noun. Informal. Anything that isn't a toy or toy related. At best it's a tag that has lazily ingrained itself over the last few years As people have completed their toy runs and turned their attentions to other things. At worst, it implies a hint of derision that such items are somehow less credible than the poster toy boys of the hobby. Clearly I have way more views on this than is healthy. Allow me to labour some points. Firstly, the majority of items that seem to fall under this category couldn't be more ordinary. Badges, patches, jewellery, jigsaw puzzles, stationery, toothbrushes, craft sets, furniture, The list goes on and on. Taking the Star Wars Collector's archive, it lists 61 categories, from apparel to watches and clocks. Let's take out toys, models, audio, video and film, books and comics because they are their own thing. That leaves 55 categories. The people who comment love me a bit of oddball under a Facebook post limelighting a salt and pepper shaker surely can't consider 91% of Star Wars merchandise to be oddball. Though perhaps I'm taking this at face value. Is it purely the addition of an Ewok on an eraser that makes it oddball? Well, I'd argue that the sheer amount of branded household and novelty items produced the world over since the Victorian age suggests not. So then, is it the context in which some of these pieces have been presented to the market? Frisbees given away with disinfectant? Bit random. Stickers free with dog food? Slightly incongruous. An action figure packed with some toothpaste? No wait, that's a toy. That's not Oddball. Which brings me to my next point. The Star Wars toy line is full of Oddball items itself. A gun, that's a carry case. A space petrol pump for your vehicles. Everything about Cap 2, for the bosk's sake. And may I present to you exhibits A and B. On the left, a blue pencil with the words, may the force be with you. On the right, An action figure where the designer, faced with the challenge of creating monk-style robes, went for a sleeveless floor-length vinyl gilet with an Elvis collar. Not to mention the vintage era's most inaccurate representation of a lightsaber. Just pretend for one moment that you're seeing these things for the first time. No, indulge me. Imagine your grown-up 2020 vision is focusing on these afresh. Which would you say is more oddball? Star Wars has always produced a wonderful array of joyful, quirky merchandise across the board and that is why we love it. And so many of these non-toy items exuberantly express the era and circumstances in which they were made and highlight the beautiful cultural idiosyncrasies of different nations better than any swapped out logo on a card back. So what's to blame for this imbalance and what's to be done? I believe there's one major culprit for the widespread growth of the term. This guy. The C-3PO Tape Dispenser by Sigma. One of the oddest, bawliest items in the world, let alone the world of Star Wars memorabilia. Could it be that items like this one, along with pieces like Helix's Death Star Disco Ball Sharpener and Adam Joseph's Landspeeder Comb Keeper, which have been singled out and heralded as the wackier side of Star Wars collecting, have become iconically oddball and the term has crept ever inwards to include everything else, simply due to the lack of a better term? I think that's the case. So what's a better word? It was something we struggled with when we came up with the Beyond the Toys Facebook group. Beyond the Toys works well as a three-word descriptor, and also has a bit of Buzz Lightyear pomp that rightly elevates the incredible items showcased and debated there. But, just like Buzz, the term Beyond the Toys has never truly taken off, as it is neither noun nor adjective, and can sometimes feel a bit clunky in a sentence. Tell me more about your wonderful Beyond the Toys collection, Grant! Check out my other auctions of items that go beyond the toys. I love me some BTT. However, it's the best alternative to date. Even though it feels wrong that we can only define these pieces in relation to the toys. Not in their own right. The truth is, if it had really chimed with collectors, it would have been more widely adopted globally than it has been. A special mention also needs to go to Pete from the Vintage Rebellion, who at least tried to add another entry to the lexicon with his championing of the term gimcrack. Gimcrack. Informal. Adjective. Showy, but cheap or badly made. Noun. A cheap and showy ornament. A knick-knack. Though really, all that did was help further define the dafter, bootleggier end of vintage collecting. I've also heard the word tchotchke, used in a similar context. A Jewish-American term with a wonderful etymology and a variety of spellings, but still something used to describe cheap, poor-quality souvenirs and miscellanies. Our middle ground, not toys but still cool collectibles, remain poorly labelled, with a word that does them a disservice. It's semantics, I know, and yeah, I've overthought this. I've even tried to roll with it, accept Oddball as a good-natured reappropriation of an old word in a new context. Of course I have absolutely no doubt that anyone who uses it doesn't do so without any sniffiness or, as the dictionary definition suggests, informal disapproving even thought we could reframe it as an acronym. Objects deeply desired by appreciative lads and lasses. Anyone? Maybe not. Is there a better word we could all rally around? I've racked my brains, and the only thing worthy of public consumption I came up with is Mania merch. Mania merch. Informal. Adjective. Merchandise hailing from the height of the popularity of a trend or entity. Now. A branded collectible that captures the spirit of a piece of pop culture. It certainly brings to mind the classic 1977 footage of disco dancing fans decked out in Star Wars t-shirts, kids in pyjamas and the Don Post production line cranking out 3PO masks. A lovely showcase of that first rush of rich, vibrant memorabilia that blazed right through to 1985.
0: With the success of the film, the country goes Star Wars crazy. In the modern world, success can't be confined to one medium. It spills over into every area of our lives. Star Wars has spawned more star wares than anyone can count. It has become an inescapable phenomenon. The music of Star Wars by John Williams is part of that phenomenon.
1: As the clip states, In the modern world, success can't be confined to one medium. It spills over into every area of our lives. So perhaps we don't need a collective noun at all. We could just drop the odd ball and refer to each category on its own merits. Though we're collectors, right? Collective nouns are our jam. Maybe you yourself have the answer to all this. I'd love to hear your views, even if you couldn't care less. Let the Craig. You need to get out more. This lockdown is doing you no good whatsoever. Comments commence. Yeah.
3: So, what does everyone else think about Craig's comments? Are we in agreement? Are we? Do you like the term oddball?
5: I um. I agree. Uh, I um. I agree with what Craig has has basically covered enough in, in his post. I think oddball. I mean, what is more oddball? A man collecting. Little toy action figures, or collecting stationery—you know—to it, it, me, it's one of the same. It's, it's a very strange word to sum up anything that isn't toys, and it is kind of almost elitist, I guess. You know, if, you, if you're not collecting toys, then anything else you're collecting—Star Wars, vintage wise—is oddball. And for me, the worst word I've heard used is um, "game crack." I think that's bloody awful i really really do i hate it we like craig said you know we tried uh with beyond the toys and that's sums up the the facebook page that we have but it doesn't really roll off the tongue so it hasn't really stuck in those terms uh so yeah no i i agree it's it's a bit of a strange strange word to use really does anyone know where it where it
3: came from so i got back into collecting in about 2013 and it was already pretty ripe. Everyone knew that is what people called all those type of items. It must have been around for quite a while now. But it is a strange word. You're right. The, the dictionary meaning of Oddball does not relate to what it's being used for here whatsoever, does it?
5: I don't think so. all. Cool. I think I first saw it used on Rebel Scum when I first got, when I went to Stage 3 collecting, more or less the same sort of time about 2011, 2012, and um, saw it being used on Rebel Scum. Just, very
2: strange i looked it up earlier on because yeah i i love the blog i i kind of got to one point where craig had said yeah but you know the the majority uh, of products when you look at the number of different products there were uh, which are beyond the toys and then you said oh but there you know there are so many more than just toys but it was you know the, the mass production of toys. I guess is why everyone is there. Because for for Christmas you wanted the toy, you wanted the figure. You didn't necessarily want the bookmark or what have you. So there there are so many more toys and figures. But I I agree exactly with your with your sentiment. Now what was I looking up earlier on? I was looking up eclectic. I was just trying to come up with different ways. You know because it is so diverse. It's it's you can put it to the cantina. Look at all the different creatures. Look at all the different aliens. And that is Star Wars collecting. So it doesn't just have to be figures and toys. I like the Beyond the Toys term. I don't think it's too much of a mouthful. I mean, for heaven's sake, we say a man a man. Uh, and that, that's not too much of a mouthful. So why can't we say Beyond the Toys? I, I think it's fine. I mean, it's, Star Wars collecting, it's, there's a lot more to it than just bits of plastic.
4: I've got a feeling Sai's going to just be happy with the term, Oddball. You've got a feeling because I already posted up on the thread that I was happy with the term "oddball oh, clever dick."
1: <laughs> it,
4: I don't find it offensive, but then there's a lot of words that I don't find offensive that are offensive <laughs> to to people. So I, I don't collect the Beyond the Toys. I did for a while, but it's it just a case of putting it in a box somewhere. You know that form of collecting, uh, and not seeing it again for for years. So I, I got rid of it all um and felt much better from a feng shui point of view in my very uncluttered office so i don't find it offensive i can understand why it 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 is slightly derogatory i think um it's the, as you say you know how is a pencil odd it's not odd is it it's a pencil is there a better term beyond the toys Is is fine i think that works well it may not have garnered international approval yeah who cares but does it and at the end of the day does it really matter what you call anything that's not toys really?
1: it really doesn't, <laughs> it, doesn't does it? it really doesn't but you know i was genuinely interested to see what what people did think because i was suspecting that it was me just being a little bit oversensitive I, I think what's been really interesting is the response i mean we did put the, the post up there on beyond the toys which i absolutely admit is playing to the gallery but even there you know people's views differed and i think what's apparent to me is that um i think it's i think it is something that loses a bit of translation over the atlantic and i think a couple of points that that people have made that the term is a lot more affectionate than maybe i think it 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 sort of comes across to me um i don't think it's you look at that dictionary definition it's quite harsh but i don't think people use it in that way but yeah i don't want to labor any of the points any more than i already have but it's just an interesting debate. I mean, the way that we do start to, you know, define our own common language as collectors. Simon mentioned in our little chatty boo off uh, on uh, on what WhatsApp that the uh, farm boy Luke. You know, where's that come from? It, it's sort of an adopted, um, common, shared descriptor of that figure. But it started somewhere, and I, I find all that really interesting.
3: Yeah, I think you're right, and it, it's, a, it's a great. It is a great topic, and. <laughs> Sadly, I uh, I think for your sake, I think Oddball's probably here to stay across the sea. I think that's probably what they see it as. I like the Beyond the Toys. You're right. I don't think it rolls off the tongue when you're in mid-conversation. I know just as it, we say things like A Man A Man, but to be fair, I don't bring that up in conversation much either. To be fair, it's just vintage stationery, Star Wars vintage food products. I, I yeah. think it, things like that is is the best way of going about it, and it all comes under the Beyond the Toys umbrella. But yeah, be, be interested to see of what people The what? Variety. Yeah, beyond of the, beyond the toys didn't roll off the tongue. Let's, let's go around going the variety <laughs> of the force.
2: <laughs> I know. Um, uh, I've been trying to come up with something, but I, yeah. Beyond the Toys works. It is Beyond the Toys. It does but, work. It does yeah, work. It doesn't give it. A... None of these comments, none of these terms are like Star Wars specific, are they? Whereas if you're going to have something which is beyond the toys, you know, four syllables or what have you, let's try and come up with something which is definitely Star Wars specific. And you could throw force in there as a cheeky one. That's absolutely fine. Okay, so we will throw it out to listeners. If anyone's got any good suggestions, we want to hear
3: them. And also, if anyone can decipher Jez's last sentence, please let me know. Um,
2: (laughs) I am quite tired.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's going on that's something to do with the force. But hey. Uh, Craig, anything you wanted to add? No, no, it's just, it's just, you know, sometimes you have to scratch these itches, don't you, and get this stuff out there, and you can move on with your life. <laughs> very, very much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't wait for your
3: next uh, sleep-deprived rambling. Uh...
5: Luke's X-Wing slipped into Cloud City. Led by the Force, he found himself face-to-face with his enemy, Darth Vader. Their lightsabers sprang
2: to life. Luke attacked boldly, forcing the Dark Lord to
0: retreat. You have learned much, young Skywalker, but you are not a Jedi yet. Darth Vader slashed the weapon out of Luke's hand and backed him onto a bridge. Don't make me destroy you. Your future lies with me, for I am your father luke was stunned no no it's not true i'll never join you
5: with that luke stepped from the bridge
0: and plunged helplessly toward the emptiness below
3: just before we close out i, I did put on a couple of the um a couple of groups just asking people what their top five ESB toys were. So we're talking the ships, the creatures, the figures, uh, the 12-inch figures. And I, I drew up the top 10 list. Just just going to have a little a little game here. So Mark and Jez, you two can go together. And Cy and Craig, you two can go together. Okay, that's my screen split in half. You have five guesses each as a team, okay? Taking turns to see who can get what's on, on the list of 10. So Mark and Jez, what do you think's on this list? If you get a top five, I'll give you three points. If you get a bottom five, you get one point.
5: It's gotta be it's gotta be the Turrent Pro, Probot, surely.
3: Right, so that is their first answer. Well, it was named because I had thirty six answers, but it didn't make the top ten. Oh
1: fuck.
3: So uh, yeah. A miss from them. Cy Craig. and Craig, feel free to confer. Are we conferring? have right. just disregarded his, uh, <laughs> his
4: stupid teammate. Yeah. Yeah. I don't blame him, but Craig surely <laughs> is shooing with the attack. That, that
2: definitely.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, Atat was number one by quite a quite a heavy margin.
2: Mark and
5: Jez. Go on, Jez, You answer mate. Don't feel Thank like Thank you that, very
2: me. much, Mark. <laughs> Anything to do with Empire Strikes Back, not a Sarlacc pit. Right. Okay. <laughs> so um we said the obvious one. The obvious one, which was Atat. Maybe um Snowspeeder? Snow Speeder was number four, Jez. Yes, there you go. Okay. Now you're getting the idea. I was worried you were going for that uh I, I, I had the idea at the beginning. I was, yes, anyway, <laughs> okay, we'll move
4: on. Craig and Cy? Si? Slave one, mate. Slave one,
5: yeah. Yeah, that's
4: eighth. So a point
3: there. Um, what? Just and Mark. Eighth, yes.
5: I, I've got a feeling it could be the Twin Pod, you know. What do you reckon, Jess? Yeah, oh, It's, it's <laughs> one of my favourites anyway. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to say Twin Pod.
2: Yeah. I, I think I think you're right. I think the people who would be on the on the on the groups would say something like a twin pod. So yes, let's go for that.
3: Twin okay. pod. Okay. Out of out of a lot of people who did it, it was only in one, one person's list, so it doesn't feature in
2: the top ten. <laughs> <Lovely>. <laughs> <laughs> they're all wrong, aren't they? Dragon yeah, side. One of them. Uh, uh, uh,
4: yeah. This is, just vehicles and places, Nothing else. Just no. tourist figures. Toy. Oh, right. any, anything toys? Can we count Boba Fett as, as Empire when he? Anything does, that was that
3: was in Empire? Yeah, oh, in Empire. Oh, okay. Well,
4: Fett, let's yeah. have Fett, mate. Yeah. yeah. Fett was third. No, Fett, take right,
3: Okay. Jez has jumped in to stop Mark suggesting anything. By the sounds
5: of it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so so well, Mark, we're pop. we're losing we're losing what about three points to hoth, one. Hoth, hoth, hoth. I was I was going to say. I mean, hoth Stormtrooper is cool as you like, and it's probably in there. But what about Yoda as well?
5: Mm, Yeah,
2: (laughs) he didn't sound. Okay, I I won't hear the end of it. No, he didn't sound confident at all. (laughs) (laughs) What we'll do is um, (laughs) in that that case. So what are you going with? Whatever Mark wants. It's nearly half past midnight. Okay,
3: busy shift. Off stormtrooper. is right. It was it was sixth. Mark, well done at one point. Yes, Simon and uh, Craig. Okay, I quite liked Yoda.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Do you quite like Yoda as an answer? Is that what you're going Um, with? No, I'm waiting for Craig. Craig, you're muted, mate. Come on.
1: Sorry, if <laughs> if I know those, <laughs> if, I know, if I know those foreign boys, I'd say Bespin Leia. Okay, go go with it. You're going with Bespin
3: Leia. That oh, isn't didn't. in there. She did get some votes, but oh, it's yeah. not not in there. So Mark and Jez, still still a chance.
5: What about um, Imperial attack base, mate?
2: Yeah, the, uh, yeah, So Yoda then Yoda.
5: <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you going with? Yeah, come on, Yoda
2: we're going was, for Yoda
5: I
3: was really hoping you wouldn't say it. it was second Simon and Mark what have you got I'm going to be honest with you the scores are completely level but there's there's still four answers on there if you hit one of them you win if not it's a draw and everyone's happy a Tauntaun I quite like the Tauntaun yeah. the Tauntaun was 10th uh, yeah, so a... well, well done boys you could have also had Han Hoth Luke Bespin and the Wampa what
4: was if... number five mate what, what got number, number five was the Wampa See, that was it. Was between the one point, uh, see, so disappointing himself. What I will say is, what, if we ever do a quiz, did, we
3: um, always put Jez and Mark together because that's
2: brilliant. Yeah, well, <laughs> where did Rebel Transport come? <laughs> did anybody You've say that? Yeah, it was on one. <laughs> Who is that? Who said that? Carl Dennis? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Probably.
3: <laughs> well, there you go. Bit of fun. Bit of fun to finish off on this month, Jez has never been very good at quizzes and has continued that in a different format.
2: <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. Right. Film quizzes, film stars, the actual star Wars films. I will pan everyone.
3: Right. Okay. Jess has just done
2: that. We will be playing live
3: on a standalone show. Star Wars Trivial Pursuit. Yes.
4: Jess will pan everybody. We heard it here. Okay. you got confused between Empire and Jedi, mate. Come on. <laughs> It <laughs> came out in
3: 1980 what was it Return of the oh, Jedi 40th anniversary of Jedi. ESB what does that stand for that must mean Return of the Jedi <laughs> <laughs> well I won't uh, tolerate bullying on this podcast Simon <laughs> just leave him alone um, <laughs> <laughs> and let's, uh, let's, let's finish it there so uh, goodbye this month from Mark
1: see you guys goodbye for Craig goodbye I enjoyed that a lot thank you <laughs> Goodbye from Cy.
4: I indeed did that laugh. Thank you very much.
1: (laughs) And it is goodbye
2: from Jez. Goodbye, everyone. (laughs) There's no need, no need whatsoever. And it is goodnight
3: from me, and we are Generation Skywalker.